This episode was brought to you by State Farm. Buying a house in 2024 can be something extremely joyful, but also extremely stressful when you think about all the paperwork that you have to file. But like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who care to help you file a claim or find the coverage for the things that you want to protect. After an accident, you may be worried. Who do I call? What do you do next? I drive peacefully knowing that I have people who have my back. In reality, finding good insurance doesn't have to be something that is complicated to you. State Farm has options to fit your unique needs, which means you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, or reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey there, everyone. I'm Sarah Weldon, CEO of Trufinco, a finance company dedicated to helping both budding and established small businesses. I'm thrilled to be hosting Business Perfect Formula, a podcast designed to demystify business funding, real estate investing, and business credit. My goal is to simplify the complexities of alternative lending, showing you that navigating the financial landscape can be straightforward and stress-free. Business Perfect Formula is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hola, my name is Claudia Romo Edelman, and I'm delighted to be your co-host for este podcast a la Latina. I'm Cynthia Kleinbaum-Midler, and I'm delighted to be with you. In this episode, we're going to be learning about three main things. Number one, how to be your authentic self, how to recognize if your corporate environment is going to be allowing you to be yourself, and if not, how to walk out. You will also get tips and tricks on how to get noticed and how to get promoted to climb the corporate ladder. And number three, we're going to learn and get deeper into understanding the cultural nuances of Latinos and Latinas so that we can flip the script and use it for our benefit. And we're going to do this by learning from the former chief talent and diversity officer at Verizon. Let's go. Let's go. A La Latina is proudly presented by Money Lion. Join the millions of Americans just like you who use Money Lion to help reach their American dream. Hola, bienvenidos. ¿Qué tal? What a great episode we're going to have today. What a guest. What a guest. I'm so excited that you said yes. It's but... great to be here with both of you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Magda. So, Magda, we're going to take some time to introduce you to the audience. So you're going to have to be patient because you are so accomplished that it's going to take us some time. So Magda recently retired from Verizon, where she was Senior Vice President of Strategic DEI Initiatives and Supplier Diversity. There, she was also the Chief Talent and Diversity Officer. She serves as the Vice Chairperson of Aspira of New York, is on the Governing Board of Stonecrest Community Church, a trustee of Columbia Theological Seminary, an alumna Hall of Famer for the Hispanic Scholarship Fund and is part of the Cornell University Council. And she's been awarded and recognized for that. Magda has been part of the 50 Most Powerful Latinas by Alpha, named to People in Español 25 Most Powerful Women, and top executive in corporate diversity by Black Enterprise. She's also a President's Award recipient from the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Foundation. And if that wasn't enough, she was recently appointed a member of President Biden's Advisory Commission on Advancing Education, Equity, Excellence and Economic Opportunity for Hispanics. She has a blended family with three kids. Magda, you're a true trailblazer, a Hispanic star, and we're honored to have you today. Thank you. I'm the one that's honored to be here. 
Let's do this. Let's, Let's do, do this. It. Let's talk about you. When you and I spoke, you talked so much about your mom that I thought, what would be best than starting the conversation, learning about how you grew up, the influence that your mom had in you, especially in the context of how you manage your career. Can you tell us about her? Absolutely. My mom, uh, we talk about trailblazers. She was a trailblazer. A single mom of three came here from Puerto Rico and really showed us that she had great expectations of us and we needed to have them of ourselves. I think a few things that she also taught us that served me well from a career perspective was, you know, she was very much this blend of dualities, right? She was strong and she was humble. She was meek and she was bold. And I think that in our lives, right, we're multidimensional beings and so are others. And so I think that served me immensely well as I proceeded in my career. I think she also showed us that faith mattered, that we happened to be grounded in a Christian faith, but there was room for lack of judgment. Um, so she really had this awe of humanity and the potential of all people from all backgrounds. Mom saw you. She noticed you, and I think that has served me well as well. She taught us that we were to be servant leaders, that we were blessed, and that with blessing comes the opportunity to bless others. And something that was said all the time was, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I'll end with something that I think was also very useful to me and could be to others, and that was, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And it was very important and we think about kindness and the lack of kindness and how easy it is to be polarized and to tear each other down. And when you show up in a place of peace in a professional context, you really can bring down the temperature. And we're going to find ourselves in complicated, complex discussions. And how do we show up in a way that brings peace into the room was something that I also learned from my mother. I love that. And it's incredible how you're like talking about duality of Latina moms. We should talk more about that. The capacity of my mom to compliment you, criticize you at the same time, yes. in the same sentence. She was like, yes. oh, this is wonderful. I wonder whether the kids are going to fall down. Oh, no, it's true that Latina moms have <laughs> yes. this duality. I yes. wish I would meet your mom. Great. Yeah. And we're going to talk about your faith in a little bit. I know our audience wants to understand how can somebody do a lot of things at the same time, juggle the life of the Latina woman. You were studying, working, and raising three kids. Can you tell us how did you do that? Well, you know, you use the word at the same time. And sometimes that's something we have to take time, pause, and consider. So I always believed that I could have everything, but maybe not all at the same time. And I had to define what everything meant to me. What was most important to me? What did I value? Not self-imposed, not what's on Twitter or Instagram, what's most important in the broader context. But to me, mm -hmm. it was very important that I obtained my education. It was very important that I maintained my career. And it was super important that I raised my children. And how do I do those things that are important to me as well as I can? And maybe not all equally well at the same time. And I had to come to terms with that for myself. I had to really 
apply the Aspira AAA process. So we talked about the fact that I am the vice chair of Aspira. I am an aspirante. I came up through the high school initiatives that really helped to ground me in the AAAs, and that was awareness, analysis, and action. And when I was in, going back to school, I had to pause and I had to say, like, hey, I have to build my awareness about all of the possibilities of how I'm going to do this, how it's going to affect and impact my family. There were choices I had to analyze, and then I had to take action, and I had to take that action in cooperation and in communication with my family. What does this mean for us? What are the expectations that are going to be shifting here? I had to be very comfortable with learning to say no and missing out on some things in my children's lives for the time being. So that could get a lot of guilt and condemnation coming up because you have to be perfect in every role that you play. And back to how do you define perfection? I had to really get comfortable with what was good enough so that I can truly take care of my children, take care of my career, advance my educational credentials. At that moment, I chose to do all of that at the same time, and that required support. So I had to also learn how to ask for help. I have an amazing husband, father of my children, and there were other people as well, paid support or church members, friends and family. It's cliche, but it takes a village. And we came together as a community, as a family. And that's really less about how special I am and most about how special the people around me were. You're a first-generation college graduate. I think that 44% of Latinos are the first generation in a number of fronts, where the 44% of Latinos are the first generation to graduate college. That is by far higher number than all other groups. Although we're making a huge amount of progress, 73% more Latinos since the last 10 years have been able to graduate college. So that navigation becomes even more important. So the question will be, how did you do it? How did you get the advice or the mentorship uh, that you needed um, if your close circle was unable to do it because they couldn't, they didn't have the experience or the information, maybe sometimes not even the language? Well, I think that you start with acknowledging that everyone has wisdom. And so I think we often discount our close circle So my mother may not have had the college education, but she had wisdom beyond anything I could have imagined. And so I think we need to start with our close circle, with our mama, with our tias, with those people who know us best. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they can see things that we can't even see. And I had such amazing advice from my mother that applied to my career, that applied to my, you know, graduate studies, that applied to everything. And I would encourage us to tap into the strength of our community and not to buy into the fact that perhaps they don't have a lot, a lot of insights and um, experiences that are going to serve us exceedingly well as we map out the steps that we take, whether it's college and career and parenting and all of these other things that are to follow. The second piece for me is there are resources that are available and equity is at the heart of the matter. Are we getting our fair share of the resources that exist? So whether it's in the high schools or in the colleges or in our companies, 
really being very knowledgeable about what exists, doing our homework, and availing ourselves of those opportunities against whatever barriers may present themselves. Si se puede, meterle ganas, and really forge through whatever those barriers are, because the resources generally are there. They're just not spread out equitably for people to gain the access that, that they need. And then lastly, outside of our institutions that we're a part of that have programs that we could take full advantage of is like what's out there? What else? What external resources are out there? For me, Aspira was an amazing support for my mother to give information on details about college. You know, I had mentors that led me and helped me understand uh, the kinds of companies that would make sense for me. And so, you know, who are those external people? So start with the people that are closest to you, that know you well. They know a lot. Tap into the resources and make sure they are equitably available to you. And then, I mean, there's so much available to us by way of the internet to just access the resources and the people that may be a little bit further away. So let's talk about that further away, the networks. And we know that 40% of uh, the success of an entrepreneur, for example, depends on the networks they have. And we know that we're not the most connected. So if you think of our, our Latina, Uh, looking at us, at our 35-year-old, you know, like with a mama, una mama, una abuela, una tía that really want to give them their advice. But how, how, and they have all those ganas, huh? they are really willing. So what would be two or three pieces of advice that you would give to our younger Latinas? It's about being able to be in the room where it happens. Be a good student of the environment. You know your industry, know it well. Right? What are those trade associations? What are those groups of people that you need to make yourself a part of? I think we're not going to be invited. Right? If we're waiting for an invitation, if we're waiting for the cavalry to come across the hill and somehow save the day, it starts with, with ourselves really understanding if this is my industry, if this is my profession, If I am a, a female professional, if I'm a Latina, what are those networks that are, that are in place today that I am not a part of? And how do I begin to access them? And no, you may not start out, you know, at the very, very top of the organization in terms of establishing relationship, but wherever it is that you can gain access, create opportunity. Because nine times out of ten, somebody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. That's one thing. The second is be a good relationship, not builder, but keeper. Right? Care about the people that you meet. Stay in touch with them. Don't only shoot high at the people that you perceive to have all of the access, although over time you want to have enough of them on your short list as well. But you certainly want to, if, if, you know, call people not only when you need them. Keep in touch with them. There's an interesting article that you see that's an industry article that you think, hey, somebody, you know, send it forward to that person. Become somebody that is now a little bit more top of mind than you would have been. And that relationship gets stronger. And um, those are a couple of things that I would tell a Latina that, um, you know, is starting to form uh, a network is, you know, 
start with the access that you have, be a good student of your industry and of your company, of the environment, and then build from there by being a really good relationship keeper um, as much as it is that you're dedicated to building the network by keeping it, it, nurturing it. So now we want to talk about your career. You spent over 30 years at Verizon, right? Talk about the, not the 1%, the 0.001% of people that start their career in Verizon end up in the C-suite of Verizon, right? It's a big company. How did you do it? How did you get promoted? Like, can you give us some tips on how to raise your hand, get noticed and become that 1%, that gets to the top? You know, the, you can't jump over the basic fundamentals of meeting and exceeding objectives. You, know, you want to be someone who understands what's expected of you, meet those expectations, and maybe even look at things that are adjacent and possibly, you know, just continue to be someone that is seen as a go-to person in your organization. Now, there's a caveat. You don't want to just be that person that everybody is going to for more and more and more because, like Claudia was saying, we love to raise our hand. We love to care for a lot of things. But you do have to meet those basic expectations and try to see, is there some way that I could actually exceed it and shine a little bit here? And never underestimate your supervisor and your peers. We were just talking about networking, and I have seen many uh, time where people just are so into building their network that they forget the very basics of their performance and why they are there on a day-to-day basis. So you have to keep that in balance and your supervisor and your peers, not just your supervisor, but your supervisor and your peers will be asked about you when you're not in the room. And so you really want to be able to have the kind of brand and reputation with your supervisor and your peers that they would say, positive things uh, about you. I think you also need to be a really good student of the environment that you find yourself in. Who are the key players? How do they move? How do they behave? In some ways, it will be distasteful and disingenuous to your core values. And you say, huh, that's good to know. I don't want to be that way. Um, or it would be, huh, how, how do I continue to observe and watch this person and maybe even connect with this person so that I can learn and continue to grow? And I think that you also need to be willing to use your voice for yourself. Claudia talked about using your voice for others and how important that is. You know, I think that might be easier for us as Latinas to use our voice for other people because we tend to be generous and community-minded we tend to see using our voice for ourselves as lacking humility. And humility is a value often in our community. And so I think we have to find our voice in the right way and not think that hard work by itself and all these other things that I may have mentioned by themselves. And so for me, on a couple of occasions, I had to lean in and say, what about me? Is there something that's lacking? think that feedback is a gift. And a lot of times supervisors hold back feedback that might serve us really well because they think it could hurt our feelings, it could demotivate us. But you want that kind of feedback. You want feedback that says, I know when I woke up today, I am not perfect. 
I believe I'm pretty darn great. But is it possible that there's something between who I am today and who I can be tomorrow and in my future that you could share with me and really open that environment so that people know that for real, you want the feedback because you're about growing and improving on yourself and you create that kind of an environment for all kinds of people, for mentors, for your boss, for um, people in your network to really feel safe to help you be your best you. I think that is extremely important as well. At Money Lion, we think money can buy happiness and that you deserve access to the same tricks, tips, and tools as the 1%. We want you to achieve your version of the American dream, so we built an app that can help you get there. From banking with no hidden fees to cash advances with zero interest or credit checks, Money Lion offers a suite of premium financial products that can help you make your everyday money decisions a whole lot easier. We even curated a network of content creators who can educate you how to invest, borrow, save, and earn like the pros. Ready to take control of your money life? Join the millions of Americans who use Money Lion every day by downloading the app today. Are you ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no-excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our store up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need wherever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro. Okay, let's talk about your faith. So religion and faith is an important part of who we are and our values, but sometimes we don't share that. And there's this movement more and more to bring your whole self to work. I was so, so surprised when you and I spoke and you told me that you don't shy away from talking about your faith and that your faith is actually part of, of uh, your source of resilience at work. So can you tell us about that? Absolutely. Thanks for that question. It was earlier in my career a little bit taboo. And this conversation about bringing your whole self and being authentic is part of a newer conversation in corporate America. And so I want to just be very transparent that it, it was a journey for me to find a way to bring my faith into the workplace in a way that was inclusive in a way that respected and honored the fact that I had a particular perspective on faith that could be very different from others all the way to an atheist. And, and how do we honor all of those differences? And so really, I just benefited from working for a company that was very committed to telling our story, the full story. And that was such a core part of my story that I felt very comfortable 
And you have to know the environment in which you're working. And you have to always show up with your face in a way that honors the face of others. We're not there to convert people. We're there, as I said earlier, to create a place where we're all human, to coin one of yes. <laughs> you know, the experiences. But we are, and the beauty of faith is to be peace and to be love and to be um, gracious and, and generous and and to create that environment around you. So I, I really was able to anchor into that. Um, I'm a cancer survivor, and during that time, I was able to really just, in my place of work, um, express myself in a way that um, was meaningful, was real, mm-hmm. and was faith-based. Uh, when we talk about my mother, I can't talk about my mother and not express faith. And so if there are parts of yourself that you have to cover up or or leave behind and not be able to give your full story, then the company, the organization loses a lot of the potential impact that that person can have simply by just being genuine. What could be a great framework of using our cultural nuances and turn them into, you know, like into a place where it can help in your career ladder to be Maria, to be Jorge. It can help you having your uh, passion and your familismo and the respect for your elders. You covered it, quite <laughs> frankly. Yeah. That's, that's how, you know, show up being yourself not covering and if you're showing up and you are saying I am about familia and oh by the way here at work I'm going to build family that's going to make you an immense team builder that's going to make you a great leader that's not only going to make you able to lead your teams but because you have that familia view you will naturally complement other teams. You will naturally collaborate with other teams because you're not naturally, I don't want to say we're not competitive. We are competitive in a healthy way, in a familiar community way that believes that we can all rise together and that for me to be my best doesn't have to break you down, but rather that as family, wouldn't it be lovely if my team and your team and that team all were able to be elevated, right? And I think that that is an example of a way that we could show up tapping into something that's a strength. I think when you say respect for authority, there it's kind of like we're pretty clear on the objectives of the team. You know, what is it that I'm here to do? And I'm going to focus on being able to meet those expectations. I think that is an absolute core value that we have that is not respect for authority mindlessly, but with a respect and regard for the fact that we collectively have something to do together. And I respect the fact that we have different roles that we play. And I don't have to play every role because in familia, everybody's role matters. Right. And so I think that we can absolutely leverage that as a as a strength in our in our community um, progress in corporate America or outside of corporate America, because I think that we are the growing right population of entrepreneurs. And it is possible that the corporate structure that has been perceived as right, the holy grail of success is not that. And there might be other ways that we can find that place where I can be Magda Irisari and I don't have to be Magda Irisari 
or whatever it is that, you know, seems to cloak us in terms of how we show up because I've chosen another path and that's okay too. And I think that our community needs to really be very mindful of expanding the possibilities for what success can look like for our community. And that, yes, does include getting a seat at the corporate table or at the board table. It also you know, includes entrepreneurship. I think that college is definitely a path forward. But as we're looking at the shifts in corporate America and in many of the hiring bodies in the United States and around the globe, skill-based you know, hiring is very important. So how do we know how to package ourselves with the skills that we have and not always believe that it's the most traditional credentialing that's required um, for success? And I think that we're just very curious people. We believe, you talked about that hope, that optimism. And so for us to be contagious in our organizations. I don't know that we have to have the loudest voice to be perceived or to truly be the most passionate in the room. And so how do we define passion in a way that's real and authentic to ourselves um, and meaningful to the organizations that we choose to either lead or become a part of? And I would like to just like get deeper. I would love to know more about like what are the misconceptions that you think that corporate America can be made aware of and what are the things that Latinas could be made aware of about their characteristics in this, uh, in this spectrum of flipping the script. It's interesting to hear flip the script. And one of the things that I think is in the script that we have to challenge or question or have some conversation around is, is there one Latina profile? And we are very diverse as well. And so as Latinas, there are Latinas who, you know, my, my daughter's a Latina. She's very different. Her lived experience is very different from mine, as was my mother's experience from mine. And so I think that one of the things that starts to happen, and I don't know if either of you have experienced this, is we start to almost measure each other's Latinaness. And that could come in the way of something that you talked about earlier that's really powerful, Claudia, which is how we support each other. So it's kind of like if you don't speak Spanish, you're not, you know, Latina enough. Latina enough. <laughs> For example, um, and what, you know, and I think that we're coming, you know, in a multi generational mix of Latinas that I think if we want to be able to be that generation that pulls the next generation or grabs hold of the generation before, we're going to have to embrace the fact that it's very different. Um, as each of us have been either part of the United States for a longer time or, or have a, just a different set of experiences in our background. So I just want to put that out there to anybody who's listening, that we all need to be just mindful yeah. of, of that sense of belonging. Even in our own communities, I'm finding that to be a necessary part of it. We're very diverse, you know, whether it's national origin, economic status, you know, all, all kinds of reasons why we would be somewhat different and something that I think needs to be part of the conversation. The way that I think that we turn some of the misconceptions into strengths is if we really show up authentically. The misconceptions will continue if we don't show and demonstrate that this is what passion is. This is what being community-minded looks like. This is what you will gain if I am able to be who I am. 
right? And I think that we have bought into perhaps needing to leave the Jorge behind for the George, perhaps. And I do believe there has been a time in our history and even today in certain environments where that unfortunately may continue to be a person's experience. I would say to that person, that's not where you belong. It is clear to me after 30 some odd years that I get to choose where I give my allegiance, where I give my sweat equity, mm -hmm. I would choose. Sometimes for my mother, she didn't have the same choices, unfortunately. And today there are a lot of people who don't have the same choices. Okay, so I don't want to, not Pollyanna. Well, when we do have the choice, do not choose to be anyone other than who you really are. Do not choose to stay. You get to pick your employer as much as your employer gets to pick you. And often when we're first generation and that first job and right, that, that first income is so tempting. Ask yourself about the cultural norms of that organization. It really, really matters. And sometimes we have to take that first job because we've got to have that breakthrough. But in the back of your mind, you have to define, how long will I stay here? Why am I here? What am I going to get out of this experiment here so that I can gain everything, right, that I need and give everything. It's a reciprocal relationship. I'm working here. I will give my best and I will take We're good givers. We give, 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 give. And there's almost like this, this taste with saying, I take. But we have to reap and sow, reap and sow. And that's okay. And it's okay. You are still loyal. If you choose to leave, you are still loyal. So sometimes there's that voice in our head, that loyalty thing. And the reality is, You get paid a day's pay for a day's work. And every single day you maintain that reciprocal, loyal relationship. But you have never been asked to give your future to anyone. And so you have to be discerning and make sure that you are in the kind of environment that's not toxic to you and that is disloyal to you. And your, community. and your community. Because Latinas, we have to yes. support each other. Magda, thank you so very much. Muchísimas gracias por tu sabiduría, por tu honestidad, por tu corazón, for your wisdom. Thank you so much for being with us today. I want to say thank you, but more I want to say, where have you been all my life? <laughs> Why didn't I meet you before? <laughs> I feel the same way. Thank you, You know Magda. what? There's never remorse, only tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Let's succeed a la Latina. Thank you, a la Latina. This podcast was proudly produced by Malka Media. The struggle is real, and we know that firsthand being daughters of hardworking immigrants. That's why on La Lucha is Real podcast, hablamos un poquito de todo. Somos Angel and Edith, long-term best friends who have authentic conversations, giving us space to be vulnerable without judgment because La Lucha is real. We want all of our amigos who listen to us to feel a part of the conversation and feel empowered to become a better version of themselves. A veces bromeando y a veces llorando, pero siempre mejorando. La Lucha is Real podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts.
Hey there, everyone. I'm Sarah Weldon, CEO of Trufinco, a finance company dedicated to helping both budding and established small businesses. I'm thrilled to be hosting Business Perfect Formula, a podcast designed to demystify business funding, real estate investing, and business credit. My goal is to simplify the complexities of alternative lending, showing you that navigating the financial landscape can be straightforward and stress-free. Business Perfect Formula is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.